Hello, this is Digital Accessibility, the people behind the progress. I'm Joe Walensky, the creator and host of this series. And as an accessibility professional myself, I find it very interesting as to how others have found their way into this profession. So let's meet one of those people right now and hear about their journey. All right, well, here we go, where I get another chance to speak with another accessibility practitioner. And today I'm pleased to be speaking with Jen Smith. Hello, Jen, how are you? I'm doing great, Joe. How are you? I'm good. I'm in my home office on Vashon Island, which is near Blink's uh, headquarters office in Seattle. Where are you talking to us from? I am also in Seattle near uh, near you, Joe, uh, and I used to formerly live on Vashon, so I'm not too far away from where you currently are. <laughs> well, I, I, it, it is good to uh, see you again, and uh, yeah, I have known you uh, from uh, some past activities, so it's good to have this chance to talk about your professional work uh, since the uh, last time we met up. But, you know, a good place to start would be if you could just tell us a little bit about what you're currently involved with. Yeah, I currently work at Visa. I'm a director there, and uh, my title is uh, Director of Strategic Initiatives in Accessibility. We're housed in the design part of the organization, which I truly love. Um, and day to day, what that means is I get to operationalize accessibility for our products um, when they're working with clients, uh, a lot of our banking clients and our banking clients who take accessibility very seriously and want these products to be accessible yesterday and they're and our products are maybe kind of like had their own roadmap, but maybe the roadmap was a little bit longer than our clients might have liked to have heard about. Um, and maybe they were transitioning from WCAG 2.0 to 2.1 and had a little bit, you know, some bumps in the road. And so my team and I of accessibility practitioners get in there and help them understand where to focus their efforts and energy operationally. Um, we work with developers, designers, leaders, PMs, you name it. Um, We've got the expertise across the board to help them understand where to focus their energy and efforts to make the most momentum the most quickly to get from point A to point B across the finish line. So it's a really, really fun job um, to think through organizational change and accessibility and not always just the compliance end of the spectrum, but really think through what's the best for our, like, b2b business business customers but also what's impacting them their customers their b2c customers on the other side well you're you're in one of those companies where i think uh just about everyone is familiar with it uh, most probably as uh something that you know we've act actively worked with uh, on a consumer basis uh but maybe you could talk a little bit more you know beyond what i might know is is somebody using a a credit card and like what are the accessibility touch points uh that you get into uh you know throughout yeah. your organization it really i i think you can run the gamut because i think people think of visa you know our brand is pretty ubiquitous um and they think of us on their credit card but they don't realize how many 
applications that we truly build for our clients across the board as far as payments and tokenizations uh, and different things that enable payments to happen behind the scenes. Um, and not only physical cards, but um, just anything that makes digital payments happen um, and how much we think through not only like actual, the payment space in general, cards um, that just like happen across end-to-end -end merchants. If you're running a business, if you're making a payment, anything in that space, Visa can be involved in and how much um, when we're talking, like we have, um, we want to make payments happen where the best way to be paid for everyone everywhere. And so we have those that everyone in there and we truly mean it. So it's, it's one of those things that it's really fun to be involved in that and think through all of those different facets um, and being in the design end of the company um, where we get to talk about that user experience part of this, the, the process and not just the compliance and the legal end of the spectrum and always like risk is definitely a part of it, but not always just be um, the stick end of the accessibility risk spectrum, but also the user experience and of, of the conversation that we often get roped into when we're talking about accessibility. Yeah, well, it's very interesting to you know get some of the uh, background and the depth uh, that uh, many of us probably aren't aware of. Uh, well, one of the things that I like to do in this program is find out how people uh, found their way into working on this kind of thing. So um, what was it for you where uh, yeah, accessibility was something you first learned about? And then I know you've been working on it for a while now. How did you get into it professionally? Yeah, the first, the first job I had where it was a formal part of my job, I was in, I worked for an agency in the state of Oklahoma, and we were in the education uh, industry. Um, it was a guarantor for um, higher education, and we took care of student loans. And so we had to be Section 508 compliant. I had zero tools, zero budget, uh, zero people to train me. Um, and I had a foundation in HTML. I had a journalism degree. I was the designer and I was using Dreamweaver. So this is back in the 2000s. Um, and I just had like a checklist from the federal government and a heart full of good intentions. Um, and I was doing, following the checklist um, and working my way through it and reading blogs and information full of, I think, all of these industry names that we know, we all know so well, whether it's Haydon Pickering or Carl Groves or, um, you know, uh, oh my gosh, of course, now that I'm, I'm uh, you know, Lainey Feingold, um, I mean, you know, whether it's technical expertise, design expertise, um, developer expertise, like all of these people who are willing to share what they had been through, what they tried, what worked and what didn't work and just publicly share it online. You would just go and you would just soak it up as a sponge and like, okay, let me try this. Let me see what works, what doesn't work. Um, and you would just try it out um, and hope for the best and then try again and iterate. And it was that progress over perfection um, 
like my friend Meryl Evans likes to say, and just see and learn and grow and learn and grow. And thankfully, back then, things weren't quite as complicated as they are now with all of the frameworks that we have. Um, and you would just try and experiment. And also before then, I had seen the power of digital technology in the lives of people with disabilities and knew that it could be something that created equality and access for people and agency for people with disabilities when they were often shut out from conversations. And for me, that was important um, in a job and why I wanted to have that be not a facet of a job, um, but once I got hooked into doing it as part of my job, um, why I wanted it to be a sole feature of my job in my career moving forward. Um, I had had a neighbor who was blind when I was in college. I had, um, when I first graduated uh, with my journalism degree, I worked for an NPR affiliate radio station in Oklahoma. And we had a volunteer who had an injury and he had a disability, a lifelong disability. And I'd seen um, with his injury, again, how access and how disability like had changed his life and how he was treated, whether he had agency to do things on his own and how people treated him in the real world without that agency and what a difference that made. Um, and I wanted to be part of the change and part of giving people more of that agency. So once I got that taste at that state agency, I'm like this, this is for me, what makes my job of working on these ones and zeros and building these websites different than, you know, designing another brochure and publishing this Dreamweaver page over and over and over. And I feel like having the HTML background, the journalism background, and being able to translate from technical to design um, and to people who didn't understand the technical you know, there's those parallels that you have about like, why does information and relationships matter from the back end to the front end? I could explain that to people and they they could kind of understand why it mattered and why we needed to do that. And it was, it was infectious to me. So that's where I got started. Um, and then I always wanted it to be part of my job moving forward. And I was more or less able to to kind of make that happen from the 2000s to now. And uh, you, yeah, you've uh, definitely uh, moved uh, along and worked for uh, you know several organizations, specifically in the accessibility area. Um, were there any uh, you know differences or uh, unique challenges as you moved along? Uh, were the was it like uh, stepping stones or building blocks to where you are, or were they just different types of experiences? Yeah, they all had different experiences because I worked at a state agency, which was, you, you have to be small and scrappy because you have, like I said, no budget, no money, you're on your own, you're an island. So you are relying on the people who are publishing their, their resources online. Um, and hoping for the best and just trying to experiment. Um, and then um, at, after that, I went to I went to a 
for-profit company who didn't really care about accessibility, but um, but it, it it was still it was still something that I wanted to carry through. Um, and then I didn't last long there because <laughs> um, they did our ideals and our values just didn't match. Um, so. I, I petered along as long as I could to kind of make a living and then find another job where it's eventually a contractor uh, for working for the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. And again, that's a place where it really matters. And it was still a facet of my job um, where, again, I'm translating um, for people where bringing developers together with uh communicators and front end people who are, you know, creating social media posts and then social media became a thing and people are trying to understand like, well, how do I make these social media posts accessible? Whether it's video or posting pictures. And again, the same tenants held true on social media that held true online. So then it's again, translating this information. Um, and then we were making a whole lot of PDFs. So I became, um, fluent in making tagging PDFs and understanding that, which again had the same tenets um, of accessibility that we had on the web. So again, translating that information and communicating the, the funda foundational fundamentals to people um, about why it's important. We've got the same structures and the same hierarchical, hierarchical things that we have to communicate to people. So how do we, you know, get these fundamentals of communication across? Why is it important to have this be flexible and give people agency to have, to make their own decisions and navigate the way they want to with assistive technology? And we don't need to hold hands and, and create ableist decisions with just because somebody has a disability. So again, providing this information to people, but just in a wider spectrum for the federal government. Um, after that, then I got my first opportunity to then go to J.P. Morgan Chase, where it's finally part of my job. It was officially the only thing I got to do. And then I was embedded as a subject matter expert within a scrum team. So day in and day out, I'm working with designers, developers, scrum team managers, leaders, writers, everything, where we're fixing bugs, we're shipping products, we're, you know, in a tight release deadline. Um, and, and shipping to, and, and then worrying about like the bottom line at this point. And it, then it became a different language and it wasn't necessarily about like, always about the greater good at that point and it didn't matter about money. Um, and then we're talking about more about WCAG as opposed to section 508. So you kind of learn a bit of different language. Um, and in between there, I had gotten certification, not from IAAP, but a certification called Professional Certi Certification of Web Accessibility from the University of South Australia. So I know that's different from the vast, vast majority of people in the United States. I found that really rewarding because for me, you join a cohort of colleagues, you do online courses, you read, and then at the end of the course, you're really understanding the users, you're understanding WCAG, and you have um, a project that you engage in with your cohorts that you have to turn in and you have to have graded at the end of the course. Um, 
and you have a teacher and a professor, Scott Hollier, that um, was really wonderful and taught you the importance of the end user and all of this. So I found that really rewarding. And um, for me, it's the learning stuck with me a lot more deeply than um, in, in, in my learning style in how I how I like really dig into content. Um, so I found that rewarding in my jump from working with government um, to really working with um, the for-profit sector and the banking world. And again, still being able to translate in the banking world, the end user, when we're still trying to churn out bugs and talk about the end user, but not lose that when we're focusing on the bottom line. Um, and when I worked at JP Morgan Chase, I not only worked with scrum teams and I had, I think four or five scrum teams that I worked with there, but I also worked with the design system, kind of writing like, how does this component work? What are we expecting? What are the keystrokes that we're using? How is it expected to sound when we're talking about assistive technologies that are engaging with this, like a screen reader? Um, how robust do we need to make this? Because I think a lot of us who have worked with design systems understand uh, our intentions aren't always how uh, the developers and designers will take these components and implement them and then use them in their designs. Um, so we need to really make them more robust um, so people can't misuse them. So being really clear and setting clear expectations and boundaries when we're creating these design systems. Um, after JP Morgan Chase, I had the opportunity to go to Microsoft. And from there, um, man, I worked with a boatload of different products at Microsoft. I started in a group called AI and R, which was covered everything from the research research organization to Bing and Maps and oh my gosh, I'm gonna forget so many products um, that were in there. Um, something that is long since gone called Cortana, um, which was like their version of Siri, um, uh, their chatbots, um, all kinds of things like there that really again expanded the breadth of applying accessibility to a lot of different things that I hadn't tried before. But once again, the fundamentals hold true. What is this thing? What are we doing? How are we communicating the fundamentals to people to give them agency to operate this in the way um, that holds true, um, that they can understand um, what they're trying to accomplish here and how they can navigate this independently. Um, and within Microsoft, then I got another opportunity to move to a group within there um, that was even more broad than that, where I worked on everything from the Windows 10 and 11 operating system to like their, uh, their um, some of their like mobile devices, um, uh, like Surface kind of mobile devices, and then um, Teams and SharePoint and OneDrive, and then kind of working with a colleague to sometimes support some of the office experiences there. Um, so it was really, really huge. And again, like uh, 
all kinds of wild things that would come up that you get to talk about and support and think through like, how are we building these to support like millions of people worldwide to make them really accessible and empowering for people. It really, when I think through it, <laughs> this little girl from Oklahoma that like, it, it blows my mind to think through the things, the products I've supported, the people I've worked with, um, the opportunities that I've had to like make an impact on something that is so meaningful to me and that I hope is, is just creating more opportunities for other people in the world to cr create their own impact um, once they have tools that work for them. Well, it's it's uh, great to uh, hear about your pro progression of experiences. Uh, I think it's helpful for people to, you know, hear about the challenges and the opportunities. And and in your case, it, it really does seem like uh, uh, it was a nice series of uh, building blocks that kept moving you forward, uh, bringing you to where you are today. And uh, I think that, you know a lot of people first get into accessibility. It's a little bit hard seeing how you can become part of the profession and and then also hearing about your uh, professional cert certification. Uh, I think that would be interesting to people as well. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, looking uh, kind of back at your career up through now and into the future, um, are there any uh, areas that you've seen that, you feel like uh, there's been really interesting, amazing developments or on the other side, or are there some things where you think our profession is still, uh, you know, the areas we need to pay more attention to or get more support for? I think some of the most interesting developments are how much more open we are to including more and more people. The the door, when I first got in, it seemed like it was a field of experts and I never thought that I would be an expert. I never thought that I would be good enough to be in this. But I think one thing that has excited me is how more open it has become um to all kinds of expertise in the field and more welcoming it has become because i do think uh we need all of those creative solutions in the space um we need more people in the pool if you will to really solve all of these complex things coming at us um because a lot of times some of the most creative solutions that we get are from new people coming into the field and not us old fogies uh, where we've seen this same problem a bazillion times and we're thinking about it the same way we've always thought about it. Um, it's new people working with us or it's new people that have often don't know the rules, don't know the way they have to think about it, um, that help us, that ask us a question that make us think about it in a new way or come at it completely out of the blue to 
come with a creative solution. And so that for me is one of the most exciting things where it's no longer this like narrow field of like, sometimes it is experts trying to out expert one another online. Um, it's just a breath of fresh air to me, whether it's like a younger generation or just cohorts that are really excited about making a change in this. And for me, that's part of the thing that even with the people being scared about chat GPT or AI that's coming into, into the, um, into the tech industry right now, those are things, um, the ingenuity and the creativity of human expression and community that cannot be, um, replicated by AI right now. Well, uh, kind of looking uh, forward, are there any things uh, that you're particularly passionate or excited about uh, either uh, coming up in your organization or things that you see, you know, generally happening uh, in the accessibility profession? I really am passionate about accessibility of charts and graphs. <laughs> I know that sounds really wonky, but there's so much data out there. And I really think whether you're talking about learning disabilities or disabilities um, where we're using things like screen readers or like Dragon Naturally Speaking or anything like that, making such large amounts of data accessible and even like if I, I'm coming to new sets of data where I don't understand what you're trying to communicate to me with these large data sets and these really complex numbers, how do we make this data more accessible? People are using data to misrepresent things in large ways. And so how do we make, give people more, um, better ways to communicate and use this data in clearer ways um, and and not in a way that's like, here's this graph, now go look at this table and parse this data. Um, you've got dysgraphia, you've got dyslexia, you're using a screen reader, go read this table. Or you're new to this, go read this table or try to understand what all of these acronyms are. And I think that is one of the biggest things on the frontier that we need to tackle and that is the most exciting, and I see a lot of people researching and trying fun things from sonification to all kinds of different different ideas that can be, some of it can be prediction and could use some AI in promising ways, but can use creativity of the human spirit and community in other ways that will be really promising. That, that's definitely uh, uh, a topic area that I, I think uh, deserves a lot uh, a lot of attention, and that's what I'm interested in as well. Um, it's uh, been a, a great uh, pleasure to be able to chat with you uh, specifically for this program, so I appreciate you taking the time to do that, and uh, hopefully we can uh, get together again in the real world sometime soon. I hope so too, Joe. It's been a pleasure. All right. Thanks a lot. Thank uh, you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.
Hi, I'm Joe Walensky, and as host of the Digital Accessibility Program, I like to keep the focus on our amazing guests. But I'm always excited about my role as Accessibility Director at Blink, the producer of this program, and I'd like to share that with you. Blink is the world's leader in evidence-driven design, and we work with a wide variety of clients. Founded in Seattle, we also have offices in Boston, New York, Austin, San Diego, and San Francisco. Our stated mission is to make technology human. Embracing inclusive design and accessibility brings all of us closer to that mission. We bring accessibility in every one of our projects. Our philosophy is that each of our practitioners should understand how accessibility applies to their own work. Accessibility is not a separate department or activity for us. Our researchers, designers, and developers all employ accessibility principles at every stage. If you have a need for research and design services, Blink is a partner with a full-time commitment to making your product or service accessible and a great experience for all of your customers. Some of the specific areas where we can help, using research to better understand the needs of your customers with disabilities, innovating to make sure your accessibility is the best in class design, we can move existing designs to development in a sprint. And maybe most importantly, we provide a turnkey transformation to an accessible site or app. Of course, compliance status is something that we always include as part of the service. If any of this is of interest, please get in touch with me directly at joe at blinkux.com. That's J-O-E at B-L-I-N-K-U-X.com. Thank you. And please take a moment to rate our program in whatever app you use.